What's up, everybody? I'm Abby Anderson, and you're listening to Sticky Jazz. The opinions expressed on this show are solely those of Jeremy Hinks and Sticky Jazz Podcast and do not necessarily reflect those of anyone else on this planet. And hello, everybody. Welcome to Sticky Jazz. I'm Jeremy Hinks, the man of a million musical opinions, all of which happen to be correct. And this week, we are one month out to the day of the release from this amazing dude, uh, Julian Shaw Taylor. He's a uh, British musician who lives in Los Angeles. He is a member of, part-time member of Night Crickets, Strange Love, the Depeche Mode Experience, uh, his band, The Singularity. He also was a David Boy tribute artist uh, called Electric Duke. Um, I've known him for a couple of years now, and we finally got around to talking about this new record, which he's got coming out, that actually is really good. Uh, we'll be talking about that. The album is called Elysium. Uh, we catch that the tail end of the conversation. Kicking this off with Beautiful World that he did with David J from Biohouse and Love and Rockets and Mark Gemini Twait, another music genius out there. This is just good stuff all around, everybody. So let's all sit back and do the sticky. Beautiful world, beautiful world, and we float tonight up in 
Sticky Jazz. I'm Jeremy Hanks, and this week I've got on Julian Shaw Taylor. He is the uh, the well. He's his project is called the Singularity, but I've also had him on as uh, he's the Alan Wilder in the Strange Love, the Depeche Mode Experience, and he's one of the Night Crickets that I had on just a few weeks ago, and he's also. The Electric Duke, uh, and he is hailing in from the TARDIS Studios somewhere in I Los Angeles. I am not in the TARDIS Studios, unfortunately. No, TARDIS Studios I moved out of. I am now in Bird of Paradigm. Bird of Paradigm Studios. Oh, okay. Bird, With Bird of Paradigm. Well, I, I can see the Bird of Paradise there, yeah. so. <laughs> um, and you're somewhere in Los Angeles area. Um, I'm in South, South Pasadena. South Pasadena, okay. So, um, and what is the shirt you're wearing? Other, it, it looked like Iggy I Pop for a second until I saw the boobs. Has boobies on it. Um, I didn't think about wearing the boobies. I had a client this morning who is a very, um, a very illuminary in the publishing business who might well know this image and this shirt and the designer who made it. So. I think that's part of my reasoning. Am I, am I allowed to show boobies on the I, show? I, you can yes. show boobies on the show as long as, you know, it's... <laughs> yeah, that too. That's Ooh, my boobies. All right. So who, who was the uh, publishing guy? Was it that Marvin bloke you were telling me about? Yeah, Marvin Jarrett. Yes. Um, absolutely, like, great, great guy. Really, his his music is 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 very cool. I'm basically creating his his um, well. I'm creating his music, <laughs> so he's he's bringing the songs in, and we're sort of co-writing and you know percolating what they are. Okay. And he is the one that I was telling you about, who yeah, is yeah. Dave Stewart, um, and possibly with with talk thinking about getting Linda Perry in to co-write something with him as well. Okay. So it's good stuff. Um, because I asked my mate Keenan Dufty about him this morning. Um, mm -hmm. Keenan Dufty, he's in a band called Slinky Vagabond with uh Glenn Matlock. And... Slinky Vagabond is a Bowie quote, yeah. And, and, and he named himself, yeah, there's the band. He's actually Keenan Dufty's actually a fashion designer and he he did Slinky Vagabond just with some an all star cast, much like what you've played in. And it's really good. It's just fun, Bowie-esque glam rock. I think I should, I should just send you the link. It's amazing stuff. You being the Bowie nut that you are, you would really like it. But I, I said, hey, do you know this guy Marvin out in L.A.? He says, oh, Marvin Jarrett, yeah, greatest guy. I love, yeah, but, you know, so, okay, right. So it is a small world, you know. Oh, so, sure, sure. I mean, this this guy is, he's, um, he's pretty much, all the magazines that he's been involved with are, 
the magazines I like, which is really cool. And, you know, so when, when I started working with him, I just, I mean, I didn't know what to expect, honestly. And he's, he's got taste. That's the one thing he does have. He has, you know, really, really good taste with songwriting, with lyrics, with the sort of ideas that he's coming up with. So that's really cool. And his yeah, visual. You think you'd be up for some punk rock polka then? Um, you know what? That's actually <laughs> funny. The stuff we've been working on is pretty much polka, country, folk rock. Yeah. Okay. So I'm pushing, you know, with, with my work with David J, we, we've started the polka already. Well, his well idea. I, I bet David J, well, David being the reggae guy, I bet he could probably roll out some gnarly polka bass lines as well, come to think of. You know, polka, if I'm not much mistaken, is generally played on the tuba, the bass. And, um, you know, funnily enough, David's first instrument was the tuba. I did um, not know the that. Only reason he, the only reason he quit the tuba is because you can't slide. That's why he has a fretless bass. He likes to slide. Whereas the tuba, yeah, you, in fact, trom trombone would have been a better Oh yeah, he could have stuck with the trombone and because and, they still have a lot of trombone and polka and accordion as well so and uh, maybe the the sliding motion or the uh whatever he i don't think i don't know is, is david much for the accordion or oh you, you know what funnily enough dave, david has played accordion on pretty much all our records but i treat it so it sounds a little bit like a guitar <laughs> okay. you know, accordion not being the coolest of all instruments well i again i i you know i spent a lot of time in east germany and when you live there, you're going to hear a lot of polka. And that's kind of like, I just kind of got, we we're over by the Polish border. So you just hear it all the time. And I just, you know, and I, I got to realizing it was about the time my daughter was born. I was like, I miss hearing that stuff. And so I just started like buying polka records, you know, uh, about 17 years ago, just start buying them again. You know, like I, it's, it was just great, and that's kind of been my thing, man. I've I've always, I mean, I always liked it, but I missed hearing it, and so I started downloading all these polka records. You wouldn't believe how hard it is to find a good polka album to download back in the Napster well, days. In the Napster days, it was kind of difficult, so I'd actually go and buy them. You know, uh huh. Yeah. Well, you'd be happy to hear. I mean, that's the the new the new my new record is is pretty much polka, as you've heard. Yeah, but does that class amongst the same same category and, and quality? Well, I don't know that I'd I'd put it up there with like a Frankie Yankovic. There is no beer in heaven or anything, but or in heaven there is no beer. Yeah, but it it, it could be. A, it, we could get there. You know, I love the so. new single. Is there is no vodka in hell? Um, I wouldn't say there's be vodka in heaven either. That that's not the the one I'd pick. But uh, Hila. Um, no, no, I would probably like, I, I'm still kind of virgin to the alcohol world. It'd probably be beer and possibly rum is about all I would be able to, uh, to, to have much with, you know, um, each, each to their own. You're missing out. Ah, uh, well, vodka always tasted like, um, starter fluid, just like whiskey tasted like starter fluid, rum, it all kind of tastes like starter fluid, but I'll get there one day. I'll, I'll find one that I could, uh. Could uh, get into, um, but let's let's. So okay, so you've left the Tardis Studios, and I can still see you've got your Bowie-ish world behind you there with the uh, 
the Aladdin Sane lightning bolt there. And uh, I, I let's see. So this is your second time on the show. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yes, I can see. Yes. This is your second time on the show because I interviewed you. You were the second guest with Strange Love uh, last. Well, yeah, right when Sticky Jazz was kicking off. And so I'm glad to have you back, man. This is uh, and I've actually been able to see you in concert in the middle of all this because the pandemic was just really getting rolling when I mean, I uh, let's see. The first time I saw you guys is Strange Love and when you did your Electric Duke. That was right before the pandemic kicked off. And so everything, if you remember that, it was in, in 2020, you guys played your show here in Salt Lake and you did really well, had a big turnout. And then the world came to an end. Uh, I got to interview you with Leo and James and Brent. And uh, then you just started recently being able to do shows again. And it looks like you're doing a lot of that. We have been very busy. Yeah, we've been around. We were in Dominican Republic last Dominican week. Dominican Republic last week. Talk about that, man. Uh, I mean, there's not a lot to talk about. We, we didn't really go out in the Dominican Republic. We it's it is still considered slightly um, you know, shady. We don't really want to go out of the main city center. So we had a fun time. It was, you know. We've, we actually, you know what, Strange Love recently, we've been putting a lot of time into building the brand because um, we've, we've had a, we had the hiatus. And, and so I've been filming a lot of video content, decided to, you know, up the ante a bit. We, we are working on a possible documentary. I've, I've done a lot of interviews with the members. We talk about lots of different things and we do, you know, um, favorite songs favorite bands all that sort of stuff i, I just really want to want to make it count a bit more nowadays well we got some good uh footage of you guys uh at your other shows and i've i've handed that over to brent um well the, the footage the footage is great the live footage is one thing but we want we want to kind of um Wait, I actually, I got some backstage of you and I just BSing at one of the shows too, actually. I got to get that. That, that would be fun. I'd love to grab that off you. Because, yeah, yeah. Because that's what yeah. we're looking at. We, you know, we realize that the, the brand and the way that people see, I mean, this is an interesting sidebar to what our conversation is going to be about, but the whole tribute thing is, I mean, it's it's fascinating because it is, we are literally a band and we are literally a unit. It's not just you know, a service, I mean, it's a service to Depeche Mode fans in in the front, but we are also a touring band. So there's a whole series of layers to to the story, which I hope to at some point bring out in front of people. And people are fascinated with us, you know, individually. We we all have our particular personalities and people react to that. And, and, you know, we, we understand what this is with a Depeche Mode tribute, it is a service to Depeche Mode music, but we're learning that people have investments in us individually too. So it's fascinating to them to hear stories related to us. Actually, so, yes, the, the last show, I, I found out you guys have a world-class fan in Reno. Um, the Jam Frito is her name. Uh, she, was gonna, she wasn't able to come to the last show you guys played here because she was in chemo, right? Uh-huh. 
and uh, I, I had just one of the leftover posters that you guys had signed, and I just sent it to her. I was like, hey, you know, bummer you didn't get to make it to the show, but she's all over the place with you guys. She's seen you guys seven, eight times. I'm like, man, that's, you know, like she knows she's following you guys. I mean, you know, but I, I understand, yes, you're all musicians from different bands. Everybody in there has played in other bands and done other things. You guys came together to do this because, like you said, uh, a service to Depeche Mode and for you David Bowie fans, but also you're real musicians and you're going to go play, you know, and that was that was really great. You know, I remember just watching like Brent up there and he was cranking it out on five different instruments and everything. I thought, geez, this is a very, you know, and then I, it was what Brent actually was, oh yeah, I played in so-and-so's band and so-and-so's band. And then you gave me your links. That was when I was like, damn, you guys have been doing this forever, you know? And it was, it was impressive to see that you guys came together to, to do what you did and you're doing well with that. So, um, but uh, let me jump on to really quick. So you just released uh, about two months ago, right? No. Well, yeah, two months ago now, right? You didn't you release something just in July of the singularity, right? Uh, the, we, we have we have to move on from the idea of the singularity being the project name because it isn't anymore. It's just going under my name. The singularity, the singularity was the idea and the name that I had until my old manager, who I parted ways with at the end of the pandemic, um, she suggested that there were too many bands called the singularity. And because it's just me, it's not a band, there are no contributors unless they be guest contributors, then it might as well be under my name. So, Okay, because, yeah, I mean, uh, your whole thing is... Uh, it's Julian Shaw Taylor, uh, you know, AKA, the, the yeah, AKA the singularity up there. So, but uh, you did release something just recently, right? In July. Do you, do you mean the collaboration I did with Arden? That was a couple of weeks ago. That one so, just came up. Well, that just showed up on my alert, oh. right? It just came up like, "Hey, new music from right." And I okay, I, yeah. You know what? I think you may be thinking of the remix that my new. Um, I mean, I can't call him a manager because that isn't strictly what he is currently. But I'm working with this um, this new guy called David Chatfield, who's in the past worked with Prince and, and David Bowie, and had no, a number of. I mean, he has gold discs and platinum discs all over the place. Um, and he has taken me on as a sort of new part of his project that he's trying to put together, which is basically he's going to take a bunch of my material and remix it to fit the radio paradigm. So this he's just redone a song called End of the Line for radio. And so so that's what that might be that you're referring to. Otherwise, I've done a, I did a track with a, an artist called Arden, Arden and the Wolves um, called At the End of Time, which is a reworking or a re-envisioning re -envisioning of what Sarah might do with um, Jareth from Labyrinth. That is, um, that may be what you're referring to. I'm always releasing stuff, so. All I right, yeah, that just came up on, hey, new music from, and I was like, oh, okay, because, and again, this is just when we talked a few weeks ago, I was like, oh, wow, Julian's got stuff coming up. You know, it just it, it's it was on my email 
of new stuff coming up in Bandcamp, and um, you know, I just go and fire up and listen to it. It's always good to go there. And uh, well, can you well, I mean, going back to what 2015 is what a lot of the catalog is, and it's just a continual. I, I see that you're doing a lot of uh, well, you did the covers record, the borrowed, which was good stuff, and. Uh, I'll get to that in a second. Uh, your song, The Darkling Universe. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, that that was released end of, end of well, beginning of this year. Right. Like, Fabulous was, song. Uh, thank you. Okay. And, well, who did bass on that, by the way? Who is the bassist on that? All of the songs that you hear are me. Oh, so you're playing all of that. Okay, because that was... <laughs> That was a killer baseline. I was like very, I was like, well, that was really well done. Um, I would have ranked that up there with kind of like, if I was to say that would have been your hold me, thrill me, kiss me, kill me. Like the, the one that you two, that that was like yours of that. It was that intense, really fun, but, you know, dark, powerful one there. Um, Thank you. Yeah, I, I like I like that one. I played I played that one in one of my live streams before I released it, and it felt really cool. Like I really want to play that. I want to get out on the stage and, and bust that one out because it's energy and it's heavy and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. No, it it had a very good kick to it, but the the baseline really stood out. I was like, man, that's a that's a really, you know. But me, I play bass. Not that I would say I'm any good at it. I'm a I'm a Peter Hook wannabe, you know, like like so many guys out there. But that's usually what I'm going to go and look for first is what is the baseline. And that one really, really did well. I And you, you did post a video the other day. Well, there was a video. I don't know if the other day, but there was a video of you um, playing guitar about something about uh, the face I make when playing guitar. My new bass. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my. That that was. I I, I did. A, I'm doing a, a commission song. Somebody paid for me to do a song for their wife for her birthday. So that was what that was about. But yeah, I'm I'm a, I'm a guitar player principally, and I'm a, I'm a an, a very very good bass player. <laughs> that's that's my favorite instrument. I have, well, because I, I can I can see those behind you, right? I, I can this see. Is, this, this is my new Schecter fretless. So now everything is on fretless that I'm playing on everything I do because it's, it's the easiest bass I've ever had to play. It is absolutely beautiful. Like, and I love fretless because if you've got the, I, I borrowed David Jay's fretless for a while um, before he went off on tour with Bauhaus and I wrote like it, it, the instrument itself sort of sung lines to me. I wrote something like five songs just in a week because of David's bass. But the whole David's bass, I mean, that's that's pretty like okay, me being the the lifelong fan that I have been since I was what fourteen, right? Of of David's work there, and wow, because yeah, he's only got. I mean, I'm sure he's got plenty, but on stage, you know, like I'll be at shows, I'll see guys switch out guitars left and right. David's got the one, and the he beast. just. Yeah, and he just thumps out on that, and it's amazing. But he's had that since. I mean, like, every photo of David playing, it's been that guitar, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I I posted a bunch of stuff on Instagram of me playing it, 
when he left it with me. And I also borrowed his, he has a, a, a nylon acoustic. And there's a song I have called Bet Your Life, which is the bass and the acoustic, just me playing his instruments, which, you know, it lends itself. It's, it's really fun. You know, when, when you have a new instrument, you get, a, it speaks to you in a different way. It's like a new, if I get a new synth, I'll write 12 new songs. If I get a new instrument, I'll write 12 new songs. Like this, this fretless, honestly. And I love David's fretless, I really do. I mean, it's the Bauhaus bass, and which is spectacularly magical, right? But I've got to tell you, this, this one, it's a fretless, and it's, and it's the most beautiful instrument I've played. Most beautiful bass I've played, I recommend it. I know I sound like I'm shilling Schecter right now, but the stiletto basses, the, the neck is very narrow and I have tiny hands. So to get your fingers around it is really, it's, but, it's butter, I love it. And David's is a, is a P bass, I think, a, a, a fretless um, Fender P bass, and it's great. But the stiletto is more to my fingers because I'm only little. <laughs> you must be something amazing to have David J from Bauhaus let you borrow his bass for a while. I mean, if he's going to entrust you with that. He he left. I mean, he he he, he left it at my studio because he was coming back and forth for something we were working on. But he did say it was fine to use it. So I guess. So. Yeah, no, like I've gotten some gnarly photos of David up there playing it. Just, you know, he's up there cool. He's got his sunglasses on his scarf wearing the black and just, you know, just thumping away. It's, you know, very cool. He looked no different than as he did in 1981, you know. He, he's made, he's a very cool gent. He's a real, real, um, he's very funny. He's, oh, yeah. He's yeah, he was, he was great to talk to. Um, I've, I've met him quite a few times over the years, but every time he's always been really congenial, really cool. And, and when I had him on, with night crickets a few weeks ago he was just like he was basically talking to i'm such a fan of victor man i love you you know he spent he spent so much time telling victor how much he loved the violent femmes the, the first record and i was like it was funny seeing how much these guys are all just like hey i'm fan of your work man let's let, let's play something and and uh night crickets night crickets is an amazing project as well love it I really, one thing I really love about David is that obviously he is spectacularly central to a whole a genre of music. And he is also incredibly respectful and deferential. He is a true, true gentleman. Like I love him dearly. He's really excellent, excellent guy and great bass player. Like his ideas, his lines are under-recognized, I think. I mean, obviously ba Bauhaus, he's, you know, that, that, but Bauhaus is always, you know, people talk about Peter and they talk about um, uh, Daniel, but David, I mean, when I saw them live the first time, which was in, and it's this first time I ever saw them, was at um, Hollywood Palladium, I want to say, and I was never a huge, huge fan of Bauhaus. I mean, obviously, because I work with David, now I've developed a, a liking, you know, beyond what it would have been, but I went to see them play live and it is every aspect of the band that makes that band. Because I, I don't hear, excuse me, I don't hear Peter Murphy albums and go, oh, that's great. I love it. I don't, I don't have that investment. And, and Love and Rockets is the same. But Bauhaus is such a perfect combination of all the bits that it brings. It's like 
the weird percussive odd off kilter drum of kevin right then there's this low low dub going on and then there's these high ice pick guitars and then there's peter's voice in the middle which is just this baritone holding down this sort of narrative none of it makes sense except live and then you watch it and it's just incredible it's not I, pop music I, I have to agree with you so i i am okay and, and like i love love and rockets and i love peter murphy solo okay i also love david's work what he did with jazz butcher and even his shake the shadow of fear i mean you know david solo was great but I felt like Bauhaus was amazing, but couldn't hold a candle to what they had done when they broke up. Right. But when Bauhaus got back together and I got to go and see them in. Oh, five, I guess it was 2005. Go away white. No, it was right before that. Like it was just, it was the atmosphere tour, right. That they had done. And I was in Columbus, Ohio. I drove up to Cleveland to see it. And it was wild to see that. I was like, okay, now I can say, I get, I was like, like, you can't pass up the opportunity to see them. But then I got it. And I was like, okay, now I get it. Like, I'd always enjoyed listening to Bauhaus, but not as much as I enjoyed listening to Love and Rockets and Peter Murphy's solo work. Right. And then seeing them live, I was like, okay, now I could, now I get it and I can appreciate it to that level. But it, yeah. did, uh, it, it did require me seeing them live, you know. It's and, a live band, isn't it? So yeah. more, more so than a recorded band. Because their yeah. recordings are, are brittle sounding. and they, they weren't recorded very well. I mean, they were demos. Like, Bella's a demo, essentially. Well, yeah, and, and that was one of the things that David and I, when, when we were talking, when Peter was here a couple of years ago, playing with David, and uh, David and I were talking after the show, and I was like, you know, I was realizing how much of it was just this dub reggae. And he was like, oh, at that time, I couldn't get enough of it. You know, mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like when they were writing that stuff, you know, and even I'll say this, and I'll move on. Um, there was a guy in the band English Beat. His name was Wayne. And he's uh, he was from the village next door to Northampton. Mm hmm. And he told me about how, you know, he said, when I was growing up, there were the punk shows. And then there was this one club that were all the jazz reggae, all the Caribbean and black guys were recording and playing at. Right. And he said, and we were kids and, and we I thought it was really funny. Like when all these white punk kids showing up to see us play jazz and reggae here at this club. And then we made friends with them and then we went and would see them play the next week, you know, and he said, cause like there wasn't a lot going on in Northampton at the time, you know? And then he I saw love and rockets with bang, which was one of the English beat spinoffs. And he said, yeah, I went backstage. I was, I walked up, I was like, Daniel, David guys, remember <laughs> said, like, cause they, we, we all knew each other as kids and there it was a full circle moment. You know, and I just, I, I got a big kick out of that because all the goth gloomy doomy, I'm like, you know, that's just dudes playing reggae, right? Like having a good time playing reggae bass lines on top of Daniel's crazy psychedelic guitar and Peter Murphy. I mean, doing what Peter does, you know. Oh, uh, it's, it's all, it's all tongue in cheek, but it's art. It's not goth. It's art. They're all very, um, they're all very 
engaged in the avant-garde and they're all very sort of like their vision is is it is odd and off kilter and that's what makes it spectacular the whole goth thing is it's not goth at all it's they invented a genre that that took the very very small bits of it and and they ran with it whereas Bauhaus always did something much broader than that oh yeah which that uh, and and that was the thing is that when I stepped out of after I'd learned to play all the Peter Hook bass lines for New Order if Peter Hook ever broke his hand then they needed a stand and I could you know that was what I always said. But I was, and then that was when I started to try and learn the Love and Rockets bass lines and then Bauhaus bass lines. And I think mm -hmm. that's maybe a killing joke line here and there. That's about where I, like, I'm not a great bassist, but those are the ones I'd be able to play, you know. Was that youth uh, or jaw wobble? I don't remember. I was youth. Jaw wobble was PIL. Right, right. Yeah. I, I love, I love jaw wobble. He, he did a lot of stuff with the orb. Yeah. Jaw wobble's amazing. I, Geez, that guy is. Yeah, I I went. I drove to Denver to see. I back in the day. Well, you know, like me, I I drove to Denver to see the Womad tour because Jaw Wobble was scheduled to play uh, with Peter Gabriel. You know, and Crowded House, and they rotated Jaw Wobble out that night. And I sent him an email, and he wrote back apologizing. Sorry, it got rotated out. He was so kind about that. Like right. it was Womad, not us. You know. Right. But yeah, Joe Wobble, God, that guy's he's a god. Joe Wobble's just I mean Did he play with Public Image at the Cruel World Festival? I don't know. Uh I don't believe he was on. I don't know. Um no. I know that I Lou Edmonds. Lou Edmonds was was on. I remember that. Okay. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't recognize him. But um pu pu public image were great at Cruel World. So I didn't go. I I Christian Death played here and then I think the next show that they played was Cruel World. Yeah, so Death were really good as well. I, I honestly, I'd never, I'd never knew them at all. And my, um, my fiance is a huge, huge fan. So we went to see them and, and catch them. And and I was, I was really into it. I thought they were great. They were I, I had well, so I'm a big fan of Christian Death as well. And I, I can't stand the fans, but I love Christian Death. <laughs> you know, um. And what was funny, so I interviewed Valor. I, I got to hear the record before it was released. And Is this a uh, new record? Yeah, yeah. It just came out. It's called Evil Becomes Rule. Um, so he released in January on Bowie's birthday a version of um, Quicksand. Mm -hmm. That was really well done, right? And I'd always loved Christian Death. And then I reached out to his publicist. I said, is he available to talk? She's like, yeah. And I, I lined up an interview. I got the record before anybody else did. Loved the record. And they came and played here. I photographed it. I got, you know, but when I, when I, I bought the record there at the show to have him sign, he's like, I've never touched this one yet. This is great. You know, and he signed it. I mean, the, the Christian Death were great. You know, great. they've always been fabulous. I've always liked them. And, but their live show was amazing. You know, they were really good. I can only imagine what they were like at, at, at Cool World. A cruel world they were probably just they were good but it's it's difficult to um suspend disbelief when they're playing sort of in the afternoon with sweltering heat so the context wasn't that great but the you know they they, they did a great job and i was really impressed yeah so they they put on a great show um i'd seen them once before 
same, but it was at night, but still sweltering heat, you know. So, okay. <laughs> right. but, uh, yeah, it was in the it was in the summer. It was in August in Dallas, Texas, when I right. saw them the first time. That I was like, wow, that was roasting hot. Um, so, uh, wait, so let's just do a little bit of your history here. You you had said in January when you were playing here that you actually now, now you're just exactly like just not just a few weeks younger than me you're like probably what six weeks younger than me seven weeks younger than me and we're talking about that and that you had come you're from england did you Hmm. did you grow up going to catholic school is that what i remember you saying no no i went to i went to a a, a cathedral choir school which is which was used which was used subsequently in um in the harry potter franchise as the template for hogwarts okay so i i um, I basically was was raised in Hogwarts location. Um, it was a choir school, so we learned to. I mean, I was the principal soloist when I when I still had my voice, and we performed a lot. I performed in Britain's War Requiem in the cathedral, and I love Benjamin Britten. He's one of my favorite composers. He wrote a lot of kind of nouveau medievalist i guess you'd call it something like that it's it's cool stuff and um so i was really into that but never heard rock music really until yeah that that was the point you you said you didn't hear rock music till much later yeah i mean i i the first record i ever bought was um sign of the times uh, sorry the first record i ever bought by with my own money was sign of the times by prince okay that was i got the nanny literally the nanny the, the nurse who looked after the kids to go out into the, into town and buy me sign in the times. Cause um, I mean, I'd heard, I'd heard 1999 and I was like, Whoa, this is the greatest thing in the history of ever. And then I heard sign in the times, which was mind mind blowing. Like, you know, you, you get raised in a cathedral singing this epic reverb drenched, beautiful, sacred music. Right. And then, suddenly there's this like really brittle sounding funk it's the literal opposite so you know when i heard that it blew my mind and then if i was your girlfriend when that when i listened to that and it's just it's got no structure it's got no chorus it's got no melody it's just there's this weird funk bass line attached to this odd like prince man and you were sold Oh, I, I my mind was blown because yeah, you, you, you were addicted to rock and roll at that moment. No, yeah. not rock and roll, Prince. <laughs> Prince. No, rock and roll is terrible. Rock and roll is is whatever. It's like rock and roll in general is terrible. I like very specific genius rock and roll. Okay, that's my opinion. <laughs> okay, if that's your opinion. Okay, so. Because you were saying that you weren't exposed to the type of music that you listen to now till much later. And I was like, why? You're like, well, the school that I went to and that when we talked about that, um, when you're oh, I when choose, you I choose, here. I, I've had the benefit of choosing all that stuff, you know, and, and as I say, I cherry pick it because there's a lot of dross out there and there always was. I mean, it's like I can't I can't listen to Machine Gun Kelly. It's terrible. Like I just can't see anything good about it. Whereas I'll listen to Radiohead and it will give me chills. Okay. 
I, I haven't put enough into Machine Gun Kelly to I, I've been, you know, I can everyone I've been asked. I'm like, sorry, no opinion. But I would also say the same of like Destiny's Child is dross. Whitney Houston. I couldn't stand her, you know, and there was so much that like people come and go, why don't you like Whitney Houston? I'm like, because it's just, you know, I at the time no, but, I, I I'd fallen in love with Sinead O'Connor. You know, Whitney Houston, that was Whitney why, Houston you know? is, is Whitney Houston has moments. She is the best of that dross. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, you know, her, you, you can look at it in two ways. It's like, I appreciate skill. I appreciate musical skill. Now, Whitney Houston could sing well, and I could listen to it and appreciate that about it. Now, Destiny's Child, you said, okay, Destiny's Child have some good songs, but the skill level is is average. So for me, it has to be a combination of musicality, skill, and it has to reach me in some way. Like lyrically, it has to touch me, whether it be from my heart or my soul or, or whatever it has to be. Now, Whitney Houston has skill, but nothing else. But you have to respect her singing skill. With somebody like Beyonce, and I, I don't get Beyonce at all. I mean, Destiny's Child aside, people talk about how Queen B, this great genius Beyonce, and I listen to the music. And same with Kanye West. It's like I don't understand why it's good, and it's and it's not because I disrespect what they're doing because they're perfunctorily making sound, and the sound is not displeasing. But I'm not engaged with it in any way. It doesn't seem. It seems like it's being written by committee, and it seems like it's recycling old sounds, which is. It's fine, but I don't care about the people involved. It seems like there is no like investment from them. I don't know. I don't feel it. Does that make oh, sense? Yeah, yeah. I just found them both annoying. Destiny's Child, Kanye West, like I couldn't like to me, Destiny's Child sounds like nails on a chalkboard. Sure. But they, they, I mean, to, me, to me, they've done one really good song. I mean, I they did couldn't. That. I I tried and was like, oh, just you know, turn me off immediately there. Um, yeah. um, so what about your song like uh, "Beautiful World"? Uh, okay. "Beautiful you, World." You, you had you had David J on that one as well. David J uh, and MGT. And MGT, and uh, that was. A mix uh, that was a killer song but that was like a mix of for me the chameleons meets the bolshoi and i don't know if you know either of those bands because they're both really the chameleons. Obscure. Another chameleons. chameleons meets the bolshoi that was so good i grew up listening like i i came into this phase of my life where probably one of the worst phases depressing everything went to shit you know i uh, just a lot and I started listening to the Chameleons and the Bolshoi at the same time. Like, literally, I was on a road trip going to see U2 with some friends. And a guy brought these Bolshoi and Chameleons albums with. And, you know, when we're driving to U2 from to Denver to Salt from Salt Lake, right? Eight and a mm -hmm. half hour drive. We were listening to that stuff. And I just got, like, I couldn't get enough of it, right? So that was, I really built up a a huge foundation of both of these bands and you killed it with that song beautiful world talk about that for a minute is it, it it's just a yeah it's a it's a great mix of two bands that you know mean a lot to me but 
how you put those two together is something I never could have thought of doing. And you did it well, very well. I can't, I, I mean, I can't claim a huge amount. I mean, aside from the song, obviously, which I wrote, um, I gave it to MGT. I, I gave him my version. I just said, look, you know, please make a version. And he made a version. I took his bass line off and I asked David to put his bass on there. I mean, it was, it was, so basically you're responding to MGT's production. Cause yeah, he's, he's great. I mean, he's, you know, he's the one who did the, um, he was the guitar player for Peter Murphy on the um, Ruby tour when David was playing bass. Well, Mark's been with Peter for what I, let's see. I, uh, uh, MGT, sorry, everybody out there. Mark Gemini Twait, God guitar player. Okay, mm -hmm. just just put him up there as if if you could do it on the guitar, it would be done by Mark. I mean, he's that great. Uh, I saw him first time with Peter in oh five mm -hmm. uh, when my before my daughter was born. I actually would tape speakers to my wife's stomach and play "Fall with Your Knife." And uh, we went up and saw Peter when he had Mark on tour with him that night. And uh, when they played Fall With Your Knife, my daughter danced like crazy. It was pretty cool. But yeah, Mark, so that was, Mark's been there forever. Yeah, Mark, Mark Twight, he's a god. And I'll say that, I, I don't care, you know, he's, he probably wouldn't be offended by me saying that. But so he mixed he would it. definitely not be offended by that. He was the guy who mixed all that too. That's great. I did not know. Well, no, I, I mixed. I mixed oh, it. You mixed it, he, but you said here, he you go and he do your production it. with it. All the all the guitars, everything that he put together. That's that's all Mark. All Mark's work. He did um, two, well, he did three with me that he produced. Um, I, I mean, I I I love Mark. He's a, a good friend and he brings something that I don't have, which is a rock sensibility. I mean, I, I know rock and roll, but he is a proper rocker. Like that's the, the reason I, I'm thrilled to be, to work with him is he used to play with Tricky. That was my, that was the selling point for me because Peter, as I say, it's, it's Peter's stuff, solo stuff never really caught me and I don't dislike it, but I, I've not, I'm not a fan, so to speak. But the fact that he worked with The Mission, which is one of my big all-time favorite bands, and um, and Tricky, that was what sold me with Mark. And obviously, you know, meeting him, he's a lovely guy. He's from Birmingham. He's he's from England, and a sweetheart. You you met him, I mean. Oh yes, I've met Mark several times. Yeah, he, absolutely one of the most non-pretentious calm friendly just good guys yeah mark's always yeah, he's, yeah. he's he's wonderful um he's on tour with the wonder stuff right now i want to say okay oh okay. do you know the wonder stuff i do yeah miles yeah i've seen them quite a few times i've met miles as well um well, he, actually he co-wrote co some of the last couple of albums i think mark did mark, so i saw um Wayne Hussey and Miles on a very stripped down tour where it was just the two. Well, Erica Knuckles uh, was playing violin mm -hmm. and it was just Wayne and, and Mark. Uh, yeah. Wayne Hussey and Miles just playing their own stuff. Right. And they kind of mm -hmm. crossed over, played a little bit together in just a little bar in downtown Salt Lake one night. It was, Oh, that was amazing. Now I saw Wayne and the wonder stuff. I saw the mission and wonder stuff on the, um, 
uh, what was that tour? The Carved in Sand tour in oh yeah yeah in nineteen ninety. That was the first time I had seen either of them. Probably one of the loudest shows I'd ever seen. But Mark wasn't with with the mission at that point. But uh, right, I do remember right. that was a great night though. That was you know so... one of one of my one of my great accomplishments in life is to have had a a voicemail forwarded to me it didn't come to me it came to um michael from um beauty and chaos about the remix that i did with wayne and it is very very complimentary and he loved he loved the remix and, and just to get that you know affirmation from wayne hussey when i used i grew up listening to children and uh -huh. like being thrilled because children and floodland and first and last and always obviously first and last and always makes more sense in this context children and floodland were and disintegration um by the cure they were my three most played albums and then first and last and always came a bit later but but you know tower of strength what tower of strength yeah children children the whole record of children was amazing but absolutely and the guy and the guy that made that record is praising me on this text on this voicemail and i'm just i can't express to you how exciting that is for me it's like whew, I, I really one day i want robert smith that's 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 on my, <laughs> my check robert smith because like, oh, wayne yeah. hussey is yeah i i i am yeah sisters of mercy fan as well i met them back on vision thing Right. Yeah. I was their tour guide walking them all around the University of Utah campus, hanging with Tony James and Andreas. And, you know, mm -hmm. oh, yeah, that was yeah, that was pretty cool, too. You know, I remember that very well. Um, oh, good times. But you and I are the same age. We're just a few weeks apart in age. So those were moments there you were. Wait, and what town were you in in England, actually? That you, you didn't say what town I, I was in. Uh, well, when? During I these went, formative years, or, or when you were in the Harry Potter buildings, I went to boarding school in Durham, Durham okay. Cathedral, and then I was in Uppingham School boarding school again um, in Rutland, which is near Leicestershire. Okay. And then I lived in. Then I moved to London. So when did you come to Yankland? Anyway, what what when what this, brought you to America aside from a this, plane? This is the this is the fifteenth year. And it was, I was touring with the original band that I had for five years prior. And we got a P1 visa, which is a, the touring visa. Mm -hmm. And I thought, you know what? We had a bit of a hiatus. We did a diesel, a few diesel shows and they paid us good money because we were the sort of band of diesel, the, the you know, the brand, the clothing yeah. brand. Yeah. And I just thought, well, we've got a hiatus. I'm going to move to LA, see what, see what it's like to actually live there. And then there was a girl, obviously, there was, there's always a girl involved in these decisions. And she turned out to be a complete train wreck and dating Vincent Gallo without telling me about that. So I ended up like not, not going into that situation. Then I ended up getting a really, really good uh, musical direction job for Island Def Jam Records. So I stayed, <laughs> basically. Well, all right. Yeah, no, it, I, I, I left Montreal, Canada to, for a woman. And yeah, we're... we're it's, always 19, about, it's all about the women. We're, we're 19 plus years married now, you know, so... Um, oh, congratulations. Yeah, 19 plus years, three kids, and uh, 
she puts up with all of my insanity and in, in music. I mean, she was yelling at me today for, she's like, you're, you're going to a show tonight. You got an interview this afternoon. You're going to the Bunnyman this weekend. You got Roger Waters next week. You're, you're shooting Ben Platt next week. You know, I'm, I'm doing all these concerts and she's like, are you going to take a minute for the family kind of thing? And I'm like, Hey, I'm taking the kids with, you know? Right. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it gets tricky. I mean, that's the reason why I moved out of the TARDIS studios is the dissolution of the the actual the citizenship um, marriage. Like I got my citizenship when I married my my ex. And unfortunately, that didn't work out. So that's when I moved out of the TARDIS. Oh, OK, so, you know, I was just going to school in, in Montreal and uh, she was here and just I mean, I'm American. I was just going to, I was like, shoot, I'm up here. It's minus 43 degrees. I'm, I'm learning computer science and engineering in French and she's not here, you know? So I had to, I, I gave it all up and moved to America, moved back to be with him. Well, that's, that's true love. That can do funny things. I, too. I would have stayed in I, I, Montreal. Is wonder, that would be my home in, in the Americas, you know? I, um, I love Van, Vancouver and Toronto, but I've never been to Montreal. Yeah, Montreal is, uh, well, I, mean, I speak French, and that was kind of just this, it was New York City where we all spoke French, is kind of like what Montreal is. Great. Sure. Was it Jazz Mouillé? <laughs> is that sticky in French? I don't, don't remember. Mouillé? That or is that just wet? Wet. Uh, yeah. All right, fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, Isabel Ryan. Your song, Eyes of Orion, is that the Ava Gore, right? Is that the one? That, that is a remix. Is? That, that is, is a, a remix. remix. Of the Weird Wolves, who is, yes, Ava Gore and Raph Colantonio, who is actually very famous. He's he's um, He did com some computer game that everybody loves. I am not a computer game guy, so I could not tell you anything about him. But yes, Ava Gore, who is Martin Gore's daughter. I did two remixes for them. Um, and... But yes, um, Raph, Raph and Ava, it is, a, it is Martin's daughter. She is incredibly talented, like a, a wonderful singer. You can hear it on the remixes. Well, because that song, I would have parked as a James Bond movie thing. That was so cool. I was, I was like, man, I, I would have put, uh, put that in a James Bond film. It was Thank just... You very much. Um, uh, Howl at the Wolf. So can I ask, was that a day wolf or a night wolf? Canadian Howl wolf? Howl at the Moon. Yes, yeah, Howl at the Moon. Sorry. Uh, was that the howling at the beginning? Was that a day wolf or a night wolf? Was that, that, is, uh... that is a wolf taken from the, um, what's it called? The Fairlight synthesizer. Oh, so it wasn't even real. Okay. Well, it's a Fairlight, so it would have been a real wolf. Because remember the, the the night crickets where it was, uh, well, was it day crickets or night crickets? I do. I, I, I know the reference. Um, no, I mean, it, it, it's it's a real wolf. There is also some um, saucy noises going on, which are real. Okay. Because um, that was that was a lot of fun as well. I, I, that was, again, I'm just dancing through your catalog, just grabbing stuff and just enjoying what was going in there. Um, your song Anti-Gravity, as, as we're talking about polka or at least reggae lines, um, anti-gravity right that that was that was reggae's revenge 
but I could see you steering that going polka. Talk about that one for a second. Yeah, uh, yeah, anti gravity. I, I, you know what? I had a really a moment where I was just going all talking heads all the way, and I've got another song which is unreleased still called "King of America," which should be released because it's a proper banger. Is but, it as fun um, as that one? Is it as fun as anti gravity? It, it is not reggae. Okay. But yeah, it's 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 got. I mean, you know, I, I was listening to "Remain in Light" a lot, like more than is absolutely necessary, and those bass lines and those interplays, that contrapuntal shit that they do there, I was all about it for about a year and a half. So anti-gravity is probably the most like vibey, upbeat, happy song I've written for a really long time. And it's about the, um, it's about Yuri Gagarin, the, um, you know, the, the very first person into space. Yeah. So the, the whole end section, it goes, Poyakali which is Russian for let's go, which is the first, um, I think the first language spoken in space by anybody ever. And that was Yuri Gagarin. Oh, wow. That's, and I did not know that, that that was, I, I just put it on. I was like, this is so fun to listen to, but I, I didn't know that. So thanks. Well, but you and I have also discussed philosophical history approaches to a lot of things. Mm -hmm. Well, um, uh, when you you're talking about your your fun happy stuff your song chase the clouds man oh god that's that's unreleased that's <laughs> unreleased well I, okay because i'm just going off what what you let me go and listen to oh this that is you, chase you, the you've clouds looked the band, you've looked at the band camp stuff of course of course chase sorry the clouds was them. so good oh okay. thank, you. thank you that's that's unfinished and unreleased i don't know why there's even... you know what i think you've been checking out the licensing style stuff because there's there's two there's two categories of stuff that i write like i write stuff that's from the heart like how at the moon which is designed to reach somebody anti-gravity and then there's also a whole category of music that i've written for people that have either not been used or have been used which is you know chase the clouds for example is it is designed as a happy song to be put into a commercial because well, that that was like Mark Allman's Tears Run Rings mixed yeah. with The Killers and David Potts from Monaco on top singing kind of thing. It was uh -huh. just a really fun that and then and then sinking sound actually. That whole album was but again, you gave me these links what a year and uh -huh. a half ago. And so I'm like, I'll just go and so when I want to go listen, I don't know if that's available on Bandcamp. That's just the stuff that I went and hit because of the links you gave me. So if this stuff isn't available to the world, bummer, because I really, this is this is yes, what I've been listening stink, to. <laughs> stinking sound. I mean, you know, again, that's, it's unreleased. As, as, I mean, it is released on Bandcamp, obviously, but um, it's, yeah, you, you're reminding me of these songs. But I, no, you know, no, I, remember when you said, oh, no, let me give you this other set of links, remember, from, mm -hmm. and so, but I still have all these links that I, whenever I want to listen to stuff, I go and listen to I don't know what is and isn't available to the rest of the world, apparently. <laughs> All right. Well, it's it's clearly available because it's on Bandcamp and and that's it's not a private link, any of that stuff. It's just that I have like a curated my Spotify is is curated stuff I've released with an intent. And the Bandcamp is just like, I mean, I've been make you know, I've got over four hundred songs written. So you're reminding me of songs I haven't thought about or even finished. And thank you, because that's that's useful to me because I know that they're good songs and I know that I should finish them. 
I, I, can, I talk, can I can I direct the conversation to the, the upcoming album? Yes, so please go, go ahead. Apparently, do I have that link? <laughs> I, I I sent you a YouTube um, link. Oh yes, okay, that one. Yes, okay, that, yeah. That's that's the, the that's the new album. I, I'm um, still compiling and and mixing a couple of songs. It's coming out in October. It is the story of a, a relationship. Um, you know, it's a very coherent story of relationship. It's literally songs I wrote for my current girlfriend, fiance, as they came. And some of them are not happy songs. Some of them are ecstatically joyful songs, but they all fit the narrative of the story of our relationship. And I'm thrilled with how it's turned out. There's like, you know, there's there's Darkling Universe exists in that in that song um, cycle. There's also How the Moon is in there. These are all songs I wrote specifically for her. So, um, and about her and about how I feel, you know, in relation to her. So there's some very sad songs when the relationship wasn't working. And, but there's also, it's the, the overwhelming majority of it is, you know, it's, it's, it's happy, it's positive, it's, it's joyful, it's sexy. There's all sorts of things all all of the stuff is in there i've never written an album that is coherently about one thing before so this is this is the album and i'm very very excited about it i've got a lot of i mean i'm doing a lot of these interviews um I've got, I've so, got about so this, this one is due out next month you say october mm-hmm. october yeah okay, well okay yeah we're in september. september already yeah i guess okay. i better start the start the um the process <laughs> I haven't uploaded it yet to the to the distribution of the places. I'm, I'm, um, I've got to do that. So, okay. So, because I have it's, it's Elysium, right? Yes, uh, Elysium. Okay. Is, it's called that's right. right. Well, no, but this is the draft. There's what the link that you gave me. It says it's the draft. So I wasn't sure yes. if that was okay. So because it's unreleased as yet. Because it's oh, that's why it's called draft. So this isn't just your okay. I understood that to be just your sort of waiting on the mixes kind of thing okay yeah yeah i am there's i only need to finesse there's finessing on two mixes which i gave the guy who mixed darkling universe is mixing head up high and fall apart which are two of the sad songs because he's good at that sad paradigm so and i'm i'm deliberating whether to put there's a there's a a bunch of other well, because you're you're all good soldiers, that's up on Bandcamp, and that yeah. it, the one on Bandcamp, that's like your Electric Duke with three gnarly bass lines all kicked into it at once. Which, I, I mean, that's a great number right there. All good Thank soldiers. You. Thank you. And I did see that one there, but I assumed that it that the, the one on Bandcamp is the more completed version, but apparently it's not. That just happens to be an unfinished word. No, no, no. The one on Bandcamp, that's that is the, the recent releases that I've had on Spotify, I put up on Bandcamp the same thing. So those are the same ones. The 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 albums of, of sort of unreleased material, you've just come across those. That they they are I mean, they're not I'm not mad about it. I'm very thrilled and, and flattered that you check it out. The stuff that's up And then there was Melt. Yeah, Melt Which... is on the album too, but I've redone it with Chris on um live drums i've edited it and i've played fretless bass on it i've i've taken out the the movement on in the bass to keep it simpler because i love the, i love the original the original's great i'm not i'm stand by it but i'm i'm changing them 
significantly to make them different so the album doesn't feel like it's just more of the same okay this is the line written after lightning in elysium right uh -huh. was there and so i was going to ask okay now it makes sense where melt conceptual or chronologically happened now that melt, you explained is, that is i met i met her at a, at a venue called elysium and I wrote that song about her without knowing whether I'd ever see her again, because I didn't speak with her that much. I just felt I felt a very, very strong connection, like a, a, a fate, heartfelt love at first sight, like bolt of lightning meet, on meeting her. And then I did subsequently meet her again, like randomly. And I the story of Melt is I, I wrote that song and then I filmed a video with the intention in my head of reaching through the ether to that specific person. And the story is that when, when I met her or when I developed the relationship with her, I didn't talk about that specific situation, but recently she told me that one of the things that made her interested in re-meeting me was the video for Melt. Ooh, so mission accomplished. All right. It, it, it <laughs> is it is practical magic. Like well, but but the line, but no, but then that explains the line. Laughing at myself, I've got this secret. I've got no regret. I've got this feeling in my bones. I'm never going home, right? You're basic, mm -hmm. yeah. That the, so I was saying, was that like you just had your mind blown by meeting somebody? And obviously, that, that's lyric from Secret Melt is yes. a different lyric, yeah. Sorry, sorry, yeah. Melt, yes. But I was gonna say that you've got all this there that I'm like, okay, so there's so much of this, it's written around you. Basically, you're 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 falling in love. This person's changing a lot of your life because mm -hmm. there's so much of your lyrics in that. I was going to say, now you're kind of explaining, this is not specifically just being in love, but it's it's the one person who happens to have done a lot of changes in your life, right? That's oh, what... sure. Absolutely. It's like the person who, the person who you wait for all of your life and then they, then whatever, whenever that comes, sometimes the timing is a bit off, but sometimes it's perfect. And, you know, I, I like to, when, when telling a story like this, I have to be, and in my life in general, I have to be self-reflective. I'm not pretending at any point ever that I am perfect. And I try to model this for my little girl. It's like if she makes a mistake or does something wrong, I want her to admit it. And I never punish her for that because I feel it's important to accept the vagaries of existence and act on them as they should be acted upon. So for me, I am aware of all the elements of, of all these things that happen. I'm, I'm not pretending that I know what's best. All I know is that I can react the way that I feel best about any situation and now if I fall in love with somebody which I clearly have done I can't I can't pretend that that doesn't exist does that make mm -hmm. sense yeah. I'm just speaking in riddles yeah and but it's, it's in and the issue uh, I mean I, I was going to say this you, you would find it difficult to navigate your life 
without this, right? Was what I was just oh, yeah. grasping from a lot of these songs. But it's also good to know, okay, that now now that I get this, the Elysium, I, I I thought that was just a collection. But if this is where the album is actually going, great. Uh, what what do we have for a date on this? Seventeenth. 17th uh, October currently. It's, 17th it's a, it's of October. Okay. It's an anniversary. Okay. It will be preceded by a single. I haven't decided the single. I think the single is going to be called Whispers. I think. Because that's, it's a, I've, been, I've been, you know, getting people onto my um, mailing list, listening to it and telling me whether they think it's the single. But I am... Um, maybe feel a little um conceited about this but i actually think there's about seven singles on the album that's well because the album here has 15 so if you got seven singles that's a busy that's a busy layout man i've got to um remove some songs i've got to like be be really um bloody minded about it and get rid of some of them because it's too long it needs to be 10 to 12 songs album but I can't get rid of them. They're all so, they fit so beautifully into the narrative and they are, I mean, there are, there are more than 15 that I've written in this period of time about this subject. Um, all right, everybody, this is Julian Shaw Taylor, uh, solo, just kind of uh, out of the, the singularity and now just moving forward with the, the new album will be out October 17th. It's called Elysium. And now you've explained the story around it. And uh, so that's that's something we should all look forward to. And thank you, Julian, so much for your time. And and again, thank you for coming back on the show after a year and a half. And uh, thrilled, Jeremy. Sorry, Sticky Jazz. It's really an honor, and I, I love I love doing these, especially with somebody. I mean, obviously, we've chatted many times, so it's it's good to have the rapport. <laughs> well, the uh, the other thing is, I'm amazed that you and I did not move into David Lynch territory like we've been known to do. So you I know what we if, we showed if, great restraint today. If I had conversation, I know, I know. So, all right. Well, thank you for your time, Julian. Uh, everybody else, look forward to October seventeenth. And uh, right now, let's play us out with "Beautiful World." Uh, this is Julian Shaw Taylor. Uh, sorry, uh, sorry, yes, sorry. All good soldiers. Uh, we have, uh, and and this is, uh, yeah, this is Julian Shaw Taylor here, who's been through singularity, strange love, and whatever else he wants to be. And you want to catch any of his shows? He's a hell of a performer. I forgot to point that out. He is, in my experience, the best Bowie tribute show. I've ever seen and I've seen quite a few I've seen Bowie cover bands and I've seen a Bowie tribute show but you kind of kill it you you really do with your Bowie so I hope everybody if, if you do an electric duke anytime soon that everyone catches that too so all right uh thank you Julian and uh thank you. all the best and I'm sure I'll be talking to you in the next few weeks all right absolutely thank you man Speak all to right soon. Everybody else, take care, be good to each other, and let music do awesome in your lives. And thank you so much, Julian, uh, for your time. Uh, This is off the album coming out a month from today. Again, everybody, the album's called Elysium. Look for it on the streaming world near you. 
And I'm also thinking, let's see, we're going to have, uh, yeah, special thanks to Barry Anderson and Shriek back again for letting us use the theme and title of Some Jazz. While uh, he's out crowdfunding for the new record, look up uh, Shriekback for, Shriekback.com forward slash store and see if you can drop a couple of bucks for the new Shriekback record coming out. Take care, everybody. Shadows they are lighting to win the war. The sacrifice they are making. I believe our love will win in the end. Without love, we are lost. Tear you apart